Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Content Creator's Guide. This is a place where we expand our knowledge on what it takes to be successful in an ever-expanding world of content creation. Join me as I sit down with individuals sharing their success stories and tips that help them get over the hurdles they faced on their journey to creation success. All right, let's create. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Content Creators Guide. I will be your host, Patrick Conway, also known in other circles as Jaxus. Today, I will be talking to one of the hosts of the Fallout feed with over, well, with around 400 episodes and is quickly closing on half a million downloads. My guest, my, my guest, I like that. My guest, my guest is part of the ASA Podcasting Network, which has raised over $20,000 for cystic, cystic, did I say that right? Cystic fibrosis? I- I'm throwing all kinds of things at you. I'm happy to guest tonight. Okay, I'm glad you're guesting. $20,000 for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation in their annual fundraiser. My guest not only co-hosts many other podcasts like Dames Who Game, she is also the facilitator for the United Wastelanders Network, which is a mid-sized streaming group with multiple streamers. She is also an aspiring virtual photographer. I'm kind of interested in that because I have no idea really what that is, but her work has been featured in many showcases, including the Photo Mode magazine. Please welcome my guest, the eternally busy Jessica Starr. Hello, Jessica. Happy to be here, Jackson. Great. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> well, uh, other than me, you know, you put a lot of words in there. I think you handled them pretty well. <laughs> oh, well, it's just how it is. You know, I, I want to make sure that I introduce my guests properly. I want everybody to know that you do a lot of stuff, you know, um, but there is one thing I do, and that is cut things quick and get right into the questions. I want to ask you, most importantly, right off the bat, what got you into content creation in the first place? Oh, well, let's just say love of games. Love How about of that? games. I like that one. Love of video games. I mean, specifically Bethesda games, as you know from a lot of what I do, but love of games in general. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because the more content you create around games, the less you actually get to play of those games in some cases, but mm. I absolutely adore it. So, you know, it's as a fan of a game, you want to talk to other fans about it. And then you talk to people more and more, maybe on forums, maybe online. Then you start doing a couple of videos. Then you maybe start a podcast, you know, all about that. And uh, it snowballs after a while. Yeah, it kind of gets a little crazy if you don't keep a handle on things. That it can. You have to learn to say no sometimes to uh, to different things that come up that you that you are really interested in. You have to tell yourself, no, maybe I shouldn't start, you know, a fifth project that I'm really right. interested in. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that one. I've kind of spread myself thin a few times. I've had to back off on a few projects, but I always have them in the back of my head and I always want to go back to them. You know? Exactly. Kind of like a puzzle in a game. Just let it percolate a bit. And then when it's actually ready, it'll come out. Right. Exactly. When you first got started, what were some of the hardest hurdles you faced and uh, how did you get around those? Well, I would say, as I was saying, I started mostly as a podcaster, you know, contributing to podcasts over time, you know, sending stuff in, a lot of listening, communication, and then eventually started hosting. And uh, the hardest hurdle was perhaps hearing yourself regularly, understanding that sometimes you're not going to word things perfectly. You know, in, in a video, you can actually, you know, step by step, script it out, take your time, edit and all that. In a podcast, there's a little bit of editing as long as you're the editor, because when you're not the editor, <laughs> you have to live with your mistakes. And then, of course, going into streaming, it's, uh, well, it's just out there. It's just Let's out just there. Somebody might clip it. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I would say getting used to just going with the flow and hearing yourself are two of the, two of the biggest hurdles. Yeah, I actually started out um, with live radio. So I never, I never really had to edit back in the day. I was a internet radio DJ or, you know, personality, whatever you want to call it. But what we did is we played music. We had a website with a little chat room where people mm -hmm. talk and they would leave, but it was live. So if you screwed up, you screwed up. Oh, well. Beautiful. Hey, did you ever do Winamp radio? I had a Winamp radio station back in the day too, like the mid 2000s. My, mine was through uh, Shoutcast and Livecast. Yeah. I used had to use the Shoutcast plugin. Yeah, mm -hmm. I used the Sam's Broadcaster. Yes, back in the day, Beautiful. that was that was some good times. That was twenty some odd years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was close to that for me. Like, I don't really think of that as content creation. You know, I've I've did, for instance, college uh, radio. You know, I would go in and do a guest spot on that. I didn't have a regular show, but I went in and did a lot of guesting on college radio in my mm -hmm. local town. And then Winamp, uh, that was a big thing. So I had a radio station in the Sims Online. <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> bringing me back. I, I only thought of this like once in the last couple of years. And uh, we would essentially, we had built a coffee house and we had people come by. We would do poetry slams and stuff in the game. And then mm -hmm. we had a radio station that people could tune into to hear various songs and music while they're playing. And there was a forum and everything. It was a big thing back in the day. Um, no, yeah. You know. uh, internet radio was uh, quite large at one point. And then uh, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I felt like the passion was kind of leaving me. I got tired of doing the hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Climax Radio. You know, ba -da -da -da. that was the radio station I worked with for quite some time was Climax Radio. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we were just a bunch of goofballs. And at some point, I, I, I used to do like prank phone calls. I would call people and pretend to be somebody else. I called the KKK. That whole morning host thing? Yeah. Well, I, I do things like I called the KKK once and pretended to be a black family down the street and trying to get them to help me move a couch. My goodness. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, whatever worked, you know, and it was good entertainment at the time. But um, how that would grow over today, who, who knows? When you got into uh, doing podcasting and stuff like that, what kind of like microphone do you like to use? I mean, obviously, you got a nice microphone looking there. What did you use when you started? Oh, wow. So that's a great question because I was a headset podcaster when I first started, like oh, so many. Boy. <laughs> oh yeah, beautiful sound blaster headset. You know, it was a 
It was promoted by some streamer. I don't even remember who it was at the time. This is, I mean, this is back like 2015, <laughs> 2016. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So just a headset. Then I moved on to a, you know, a nice blue microphone. Snowball. Snowball's always a good one. I had, that, <clears> that, was, my for a while. First, that was my first uh, podcasting microphone was the Snowball. It looks it's like actually, a big softball. <laughs> yeah, it's got a nice tight pattern. I actually, I really like the sound of it. It's mellow. And at this point, I have a HyperX microphone. Uh, which I love. They uh, they actually are one of the sponsors of Elgato Pub. Uh, they do affiliate stuff with us. And so, you know, sometimes we get discounts and stuff on Fat Loot, and I happen to get a HyperX microphone. <laughs> I think it's really, uh, now mind you, I, I know it has nothing to do with sound quality, but I do like the little LED element to the microphone. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it's a great mic, and I can control it as far as that goes. Now, keep in mind, this is more of a streaming mic than a podcasting mic. Mm. I use it for podcasting, although sometimes I'll pull out one of the others I have. But um, it's, you know, it's a uh, dynamic mic. I mean, no, it's not a dynamic. It's a condenser mic, not a dynamic mic. So, right. therefore, <laughs> it picks up a little bit more. I've got to ha keep a filter on it, you know, keep an IQ and all that. So, I mean, uh, how do you control the sound? I mean, obviously, you just keep it very quiet in your room, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. Keep okay. the fans down. I actually do have uh, eggshells egg up between my PC and myself. If I'm doing, for instance, I'm, I'm doing some serious voice recording for, say, a podcast intro or something that's got to be really pristine, I actually set up, a, I've got a couple of large pillows that go right here beside the monitor, and I'm in my little sound booth. I kind of do something similar when I'm doing voice acting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, because I do some voice acting for certain other shows, and it was like... I now mind you with yeah, this you've microphone, jumped in with me you've been on modus files as well yes yes yeah, yeah. I, I I played Beckett and then um the thing was is when I first started I had the snowball so I had to kind of box myself in like you were saying but as soon as I got the sure mic it was like I kind of don't have to worry about it anymore because like you can't hear my fans I could put on another fan this thing is so you know, unidirectional. This is boom, right to my a face. A good dynamic mic is a great way to go for general speech if you're doing yeah. a podcast or voiceover or anything like that. Yeah, the majority of podcasters I know use some version of it. Even, I mean, let's be honest, an SM58 is just fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it's so crisp and clear and mm -hmm. uh, it's no work now. I, I feel like I worked a lot with, with my snowball because I had to have an equalizer set up on the actual background, uh, you know, in the computer, and I would tweak it here and there and kind of get the right sound I was going for. This thing, I just plug it in, turn it on, and it really goes. What do you like to use for your editing? Oh, well, it really depends on what I'm editing. Oh, you well, know, if we're talking podcast editing, uh -huh. I'm a big fan of Sony, now Magic's products, SoundForge is a classic. I don't know if you've ever used any of the Sony mastering uh, suite. They used to use uh, Acid. Um, a lot of people know v Sony Vegas, the video editing, mm -hmm. and uh, SoundForge, which is the mastering tool, which is also great for just general wave editing. And now they're owned by Magix. Um, Sony sold a lot of that off, but I still use their tools. So big fan of those, SoundForge and Vegas. For video editing, I actually really like Filmora and Muvavi, which are two kind of off-the-shelf kind of iMovie equivalents. They're not as powerful as Premiere, uh, which I do have Premiere, but I don't love it as much unless I'm doing something needs transparent graphics. So video editing, I do a lot in Filmora and Muvavi. Hmm. I've never tried any of those, to be honest with you. I've uh, used uh, DaVinci Resolve as the yep. main Resolve video editing. Resolve is super powerful, super powerful. I like the Fusion stuff and the way that, all, that works. It just seems really simple to use too. Like, I mean, because I had to teach myself. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just turned it on, started messing with it, and uh, turned out to, it was 
fairly simple to get started with is to watch a few videos and I was able to go. I think that's why I kind of went with it. Cause I was like at first Adobe like Photoshop and stuff like that. And you know, uh, I get lost in there. It's too many buttons, <laughs> just too much stuff going on in there. I hear you there. Although yeah. for photo editing, I use a lot of Photoshop. I, I'm definitely a Photoshop girl. That's what I've been using forever. And I love it. So as a co-host, when you're now you do a lot of hosting, but as a co-host, I'm kind of curious, like, what is it that you think is the important part of being a co-host? Keeping the conversation moving, being aware of the topic and the flow of where things are going, mm -hmm. helping out with segues when necessary, <laughs> you know, but really as a co-host, it kind of depends on, on the content and uh, what you do. So, you know, I'm one of the hosts on the Fallout feed. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's primary host. Normally it's kind of what we would call a co-host role, but it, you know, it's, it's mutual hosting. And so I'm aware of, you know, the schedule. We do a lot of show notes, kind of keep things moving, know the segue. Um, as a co-host on a stream, for instance, it's great to point out things that, I mean, you know, it's a, when you're streaming, there's so much to focus on. You're watching buttons. You're, you're maybe if you're in a game, you're controlling the game. You've got chat happening. So I feel the role of a co-host in anything live like that is to be watching chat, is to be aware of all the variables that the host may not be able to see. Call that oh out, goodness. bring attention to it and keep it flowing. Yeah. That's, yes. I, I don't do very much streaming, which we talked about earlier. And it's like, I could just imagine, like, for me, it's like, especially by myself, I kind of get lost in the game and I don't, like, I, it's hard for me to focus on that chat room. I guess it, having a co-host or somebody with you or with myself, I've tried to have somebody on there, but they get bored. <laughs> you know, they're like, thanks for having me, bro, but I got to go do things. That's you know? kind of what mods are for as well. Uh, if you yeah. find you stream regularly, your mods will often serve a lot of those duties. They may or may not be in voice with you. You know what I mean? A lot of times the mods are just in the chat, but they right. can recognize those things pointed out and they know when to tag you when you see and your eyes focusing like, oh, they pointed this out and here's the thing I need to know. You know, so mods do that too. <clears throat> um, but on a stream, a co-host, a little bit of both, but it really does help the flow. They can ask questions. I, it's funny because on our show, Follow Feed, you mentioned uh, the primary goal of a co-host is often to ask questions too and be an audience surrogate to kind of keep things going. But the Why? way we do the feed, Andrew, as the main host, is the one who is the audience surrogate. He, he might introduce stuff. We get talking. But he loves to, you know, have uh, subject matter experts on. I mean, we've got us, but then other people are knowledgeable at different things in the game. And he will just ask questions, keep it going, you know, kind of play the everyman who doesn't know as much about the game, even though, even though he does. <laughs> he likes to say he's forgetful and encouraging, you know, communication to go. But a lot of times a co-host will fill that role, too. Excellent. And then... Uh... So I noticed you got quite the light set up there. And I was like looking at the backgrounds and stuff like that. How important is that? Especially for, I mean, uh, for podcasting, I guess it doesn't matter as much as, but unless we do video, you know, then having the, just a talking head uh, can get a little boring, but having that ability to yeah, exactly be able to change up the mood. Going a little wild here for you. How does that work for you uh, in, in the streaming element? How important do you think that is to have the, that, that ability to now, mind you, if anybody's ever taken psychology, reds, blues, and greens, they all have effects on our mood and how we feel and how we react to things. So I'm seeing this as a, as a, a positive and important role in streaming, I think, to keep kind of the vibe or the feel going. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, we know about color theory, you know, the way green affects people, the way blue makes people more open and welcoming, uh, the way... Purple, which I love, can add a little bit of like mystery or romance or whatever. That's great. The way red can add some rage. 
Like that is there, but I don't think that that's a super important component. Because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times when you're streaming, unless you're doing a just chatting stream or what have you, you're kind of small in the corner. So it has a little bit of a vibe around you, but it's a little more atmosphere than anything else. Okay. I, I just, I was a little curious because I don't, yeah. I, like I said, I don't stream very much. Now it's like, so for instance, if you're a musician or whatnot, that would play a bigger role than it does when you're a gaming uh, it very much does. And yeah. it, it can with gaming too. In fact, you can even hook sometimes lights in with Discord and such so that things change with uh, the Discord hears the music or, you know, the beats of what's happening. Things get frenetic and the action gets loud. It turns very orange and red. Stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I've done that, that with would my be keyboard neat. before. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty cool. You know, I could see how you turn it almost into an EQ, you know, have an effect with the equalization of the, yeah. of the sound. That would be neat. But I find it maybe most important when if you're recording a video, you know, you're doing a kind of face-to-face -face chat with somebody uh, like this in a podcast kind of scenario. Right. That's when I think it becomes even more important. Hmm. Oh, I do enjoy it. I like watching it. <laughs> I should have let you pick the color ahead. That's something we let people do occasionally, you know? What color do you oh. want to have tonight? <laughs> I, I like it changing all the time. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be happy with Christmas lights blinking in the background. <laughs> I have those too. They're off right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take a minute to say thank you to all the people who are listening to the show and thank you to all of my patron listeners for your support. If you have not yet and would like to, please like, follow, subscribe, write me a review so they can find me on the internet. I'm not lost in the you know, dingy world of the abyss. And then, uh, yeah, you can also send me an email if you have any comments or questions at ccreatorsguide at gmail.com or you can follow us at, excuse me, a little at ccreatorsguide on Twitter. I actually got that out of my mouth. Anyway, we'll be right back after this message and a, and a short clip from today's talent. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm your host, Maverick Stone. It's me, Gingerino42. I'm Romer. Hey, this is Sassy Lady. And I'm Jaxus. And we, we are the Fallout Roundtable. Join us as we explore various topics from the Fallout universe brought from multiple perspectives. We can be found on your favorite podcatchers from Spotify to iTunes. Or follow us on Twitter at FalloutRTB or our email, FalloutRTB at gmail.com. Be sure to rate, follow, and subscribe. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the break. Coming up next, we're going to go ahead and play the clip. Donnie booty? Yeah, no. I mean, Rudy Tootie, fresh and foodie. I could go down on that booty, but I, you know, I agree. That's not an appropriate name for her. And I didn't say what I just said, okay? But, mm, the gear. You're damn right on your daddy. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, we're heading out. What does she want us to do next? Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the clip. And we're going to get right back into the show. So, how did you, like, come up with, I mean... Is Jessica Star your actual name, or did you have to come up with that? I mean, maybe Jessica's your real name, and Star is just something you added as kind of a That's thing? my name. Really? Jessica Star. My parents a, were hippies. What a cool name. I, there, There's a hyphen in there and everything. People often leave it out and put Jessica Space Star. No, Jessica Star. That's my name. Jessica <laughs> Space Star. That sounds even weirder. Oh, wow. I'm a Space Star? <laughs> space that <would> be Star. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. So have you been part of any of the creative elements of coming up with the names for your shows? 
Yes, to an extent. Uh, Fallout Feed was established before I joined. So mm. Fallout Feed, we've been around for about seven and a half years. And I joined about three years in. Uh, you know, so it already it started before Fallout 4. And, you know, they were doing the roundtable and stuff about various, uh, you know, different playthroughs of the game. And right. then, uh, you know, I would jump in on that and send in some feedback for the roundtable and such. And then <laughs> with the launch of 76 coming out, I got into the stress test and I started sending information on, you know, the stress test and the beta was happening there. And after a little bit, became a permanent uh, host on the show. So what do you think is important when coming up with a name for a show? Well, okay, it has to be evocative, but also to the point, <laughs> you know, I think that's very important because if you get too esoteric, if people don't know what the heck a show is about, then the name serves very little purpose. It is in some way while still standing out. If you don't put it in the title, they're not going to find it. If you have a show that is, you know, wandering the wasteland, people probably won't find that. But if you have wandering the wasteland, uh, you know, talking about Fallout. Okay, there's the keyword. We got that keyword in there. We got the SEO. That's even more true for, for videos and such. But even with podcasts, people hop into their podcasting. And if they're not looking for you in particular, they're going to put in a few of their favorite things. Man, I need a new podcast. I would like to hear about Dragon Age. Well, maybe I'm going to type Dragon Age in. I'm not going to type in, you know, whatever odd, obscure thing you used as a reference. So please, right. please, yeah. please put that in there. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I believe in the KISS method. Yeah, well, I mean, you're part of Robots Radio Network with the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in the Rocket Club with uh, the Fallout Roundtable that you do. And, yeah. you know, that's something that Robots always says. Yeah, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. yeah. Always keep it simple and make sure you show the value. You know, that's something I, I've always found very important is make sure you show the value. What do you think is a question new content creators fail to ask? And what would the answer to that question be? A lot of times they fail to ask, who's my audience? That is, if they want to grow and they want to succeed. You know, you mentioned content creators guide and co content creators will recognize that. That's important. That's your audience. Uh, when a lot of us start podcasting or doing videos, it's because out of the passion for like games or projects, something we have that we want to share. That's great. You know, make what you want to make. That's super important. You have passion for what you're doing. However, who is interested and what will they want to get when they click on a video to watch. Now, are you speaking to someone exactly like you? Great, okay, say, okay, I'm making this for someone like me who really enjoys this thing, but they've got a lot of options. So think about it deeper, okay? I'm making something from someone who really likes this thing, but also wants to know more about camp building and Fallout. So make sure you tailor that to that, know your audience. You know yeah. what I mean? Or if they're playing games, like they would really like to know the most effective or efficient way to level up, to grind this out, to collect everything they need to be able to have a good time if they only get to play twice a week on Saturday, you know, twice a week on weekends. Stuff like that is very important. So narrow that down. And I think people fail to ask that for their first 5, 10, 20, 50 videos sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I do notice that like, so when I'm talking to somebody that's new to content creation, and a lot of the times they're like, oh, well, I want to be kind of like a variety show. And I hear that so often. And I'm like, guys, so you're not Joe Rogan. You know, there you can't, it's not going to go. I mean, who knows who Jaxus is? You know, a handful of people. Yeah. So I'm not going to call it the Jaxus show. I want to just talk about whatever. If you have a show called Jaxus and Sassy Present, that would be fantastic. 
people who know you would be like, oh, I'd like to hear Jackus and Sassy talking about things. But right. for yeah. anyone else, it's far too generic. And yeah, you know, so I host my podcast currently on Buzzsprout is uh, who our current host is for several of the shows. And there's there's a group there. And it's so funny how often people come in and, and they're sharing their new show. And you just look at it, you're like, what is that about? You know, going yeah, back it, to names. Exactly. You got to know what it's about. And, and yeah, so you're, you, if you hear, you know, the so-and-so show, you know, Bob Newhart show or whatever, you automatically know that this is being revolved around that particular individual and how do you get the buy-in from that individual now if you're really searching for something you might come across them but if you see somebody's name and you don't recognize it and it's their show you're yeah. probably just going to skip right on by yeah if you center content on yourself uh, mm -hmm. that's valid and over time you may have a little more name recognition but you know once again who's your audience if your audience is yourself you might care a lot about you <laughs> but, <laughs> but but maybe try to understand what else people are looking for you know yeah, now yeah. That's that's advice that I would give. At the same time, we make content for us. I know what I would need to do to grow my YouTube channel a lot more. You know, I absolutely know the kind of content I should make. I know the videos are most successful. Taking a look at how things show up in search and what's done. But that may not be what I'm in the mood to make. Or in the case, if you are a uh, kind of jack of all trades, do a few too many things, like we've talked about doing in some cases, you don't narrow down and focus on that. So, you know, it's a choice. It, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. you know? So... I mentioned YouTube. So I do the YouTube. I do virtual photography, uh, stream, and podcast. Each of those things takes a certain amount of time per week. Some of them go to the side because of that. You got to find that work-life balance. Plus, I mean, you know, let's be honest, most of us have full-time jobs as well. <laughs> it's not like we're making a living at this, supplemental at best. And so in choosing yeah, to do something, <laughs> yeah, something yeah. with a weekly grind. Well, and Tom has that weekly grind, but it's very much for several of those shows. And then, and yeah, then the, uh, many the Patreon. So, yeah. And so if you're a streamer, that weekly thing of, I have to do this, this day, this, that day, this, that day. And not only are you there for those, you know, two, four hours, however long it is, but you're doing prep for that stream. You're making plans, you're getting guests, you're doing all that takes a lot of time so that means probably your youtube videos are going to slide to the side <laughs> you know like they have right. in my case uh, various things like that so uh, being a youtuber uh this is a good question i'd like to ask is how important do you find the shorts for your youtube content have you utilized that or i've done a few shorts mm -hmm. they can get a really good reaction especially at first uh there is some debate as to whether or not shorts to direct people to your channel are a good or bad thing uh, in most cases, what I have actually found, and people who do a lot more YouTube than I do have found, seems to be that shorts need to exist separately. Uh, you're not making shorts to get people to your channel unless it's specifically on the same uh, kind of content that you do on your long-form video. Mm -hmm. And creating shorts specifically to say, hey, I have a video coming soon, you should watch it. Death. Do not do that. Shorts are not there to advertise your main channel. Shorts need to be their own thing. So just like if you're doing a two, three-hour stream, and you've got a 30 second clip from the VOD that you spread around, that's fine. If the funny thing in that length of time can advertise the big thing, that's great, but that shouldn't be its purpose. It should exist on its own. So yeah, shorts, uh, shorts are cute. They're fun. They're going to be monetized more soon. Uh, the monetization you know, limit on shorts is gonna be ridiculous <laughs> the number of views things need, but they're right. hoping they pop off like, you know, like TikTok and like Reels, so we'll see. Okay, so the advice is basically don't use them as a commercial for your show. Use them right. as their own thing and, and have fun with it, sounds like. 
Have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sprinkle them out and understand they might exist separately. You might have a shorts audience that is different from your long-form audience. Don't expect them to intermingle. It'd be nice if they do. And if you do enough of them over a period of time, they probably will. But certainly at first, they will not. They're separate things. That's that's good sound advice. Thank you. Um, so what do you got coming up next and how can people reach you? Well, you know, streaming regularly. So uh, <laughs> let's well, see. Your, big what's things. your stream hours? Well, I normally stream Tuesdays and Thursdays on Yana the Wastelanders Network. Uh, it's funny because we're a network of people with, with different streamers, have different shows. At this point, I mean, I run it and there are six of us right now. Um, so we do alternating shows on Tuesdays where sometimes Hat and Twiggy will do the Daily Grind, which is basically about grinding challenges and stuff in Fallout 76. Mm -hmm. uh, Charo Miami and her crew there, the WTF crew, will do a show called WTF, which is, you know, stunts, dares, and challenges in, uh, in Fallout 76. And then the rest of the time, it's me. I do Wasteland Retro, where I'm playing some of the older Fallout games. You know, Fallout... Uh, right now, I'm playing Fallout 1 uh, or 4. I, had, uh, I actually went back and played Fallout 1 uh, for a while. I got to the point where I had made it around the map, you know, the, mm -hmm. did the circle, and I didn't quite get the chip yet. You know, I was like working around, like I tried to avoid the chip because I thought if I did the chip, it would end the game, but apparently that's not the case. No, um, you have to get it in there, yeah. Yeah, so I was like trying to avoid the chip so I could go check out everything, and I was like exploring through Necropolis, and actually that's kind of... Where you're going to find I, things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I went through there and then I got to the point where I was just about to go ahead and like, um, I think I was going to help the the ghouls there uh, handle their business with, you know, the things you got to find. And I kind of got lost in the game and I was like, eh, I'm going to go check out something else now. <laughs> got, yeah, that happens. That happens. Well, it's, but... a, it's kind of a hard sell, man, because mind you, the story is really good. I mean, it's got a really in-depth storyline. It's just the gameplay is a bit old, and it's hard to hold your interest. Yeah, I was still a gamer in the 90s. came up through all that, but it is hard going back sometimes. So yeah. because we just had Fallout's 25th anniversary, I felt it was important. My gamer resolution was to play Fallout 1 this year. And so we're doing it as our current Season 13 roundtable, where we're going through and doing the quests you know, every couple weeks and talking through it. Mm -hmm. And so that's going really well. Really fun. I'm, you know, we're good, gosh, eight to 10 hours into the game at this point for a lot of us. And yeah, that's super fun. But so that's what I have coming up next is just regular streams, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, obviously a lot of Fallout for Hope stuff happening right now. We've got a huge parade coming up on Sunday and that's going to be awesome fun. All, ki all kinds of events at Gato Pub at United Wastelanders Network. And then the podcasting throughout. We're not even taking a holiday break this year, Jaxus. Oh, by the way, um, for those that don't know, the Fallout for Hope is a charity event that's held by Kenneth Vigu, who is the um, main podcaster. He created the um, Chad Fallout 76 podcast, which is a very successful show. And he has raised almost, is it almost half a million or is it over half a million now? I'm not sure, but he's raised quite a bit of money for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, Fallout for Hope Foster. had broken 250,000 uh, earlier this year. And so at this point, they are on their way getting getting higher there. Uh, not to half a million yet, no. No, not quite there. Okay, but th just great work for St. Jude, Alzheimer's. Uh, they did an Alzheimer's thing that was really, really great. And then uh, they were also doing stuff to help uh, people in Ukraine. 
a lot of the, and that, uh, that's for yes yeah. project hope yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely did a lot of fundraising for that last spring and yeah. uh, you know ken tries to divide it out so focusing on the saint jude and then the alzheimer's like you mentioned yeah. and then we also had the the austin uh when they had a lot of power loss and uh catastrophe in austin late last oh, winter John, we jumped one. in on that yeah. did a lot Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a blanket uh, fall at charity. That th This year we have over 500 streamers involved. Well, 500 streamers and content creators on YouTube and various things. The first year we did it, it was just one week, you know, and he jumped in thinking I'd hit, you know, maybe 10, 20,000. And of course, <laughs> it broke, broke 100. Yeah. Then last year, even more. And it's been great. I've gotten to do a lot of the main stage events and work on some of the planning for that. And uh, it's just been really rewarding to be part of. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing. And I wanted to make sure that we put a little highlight on that. Uh, I interviewed uh, Kenny a little while back and we've talked about it quite a bit on there. Good. Um, so my next question is what key takeaway would you like the listeners to get from your time here today? Hopefully that if you have a passion and interest in content creation, you can do it. You know, maybe start small with one thing you just really enjoy and work your way up and in. Maybe you've got an idea for a big project and you just need to buckle down and do it. But <laughs> it's funny. I was talking with some of the guys from Wikipedia the other day. And really, I say getting started is one of the hardest parts. You know, it's, it's important to just step in, just jump in and do it. That can be the real threshold, the real hurdle. You know, yes, consistency is important once you get going. But before that, you have to start in the first place to be consistent. Because if you're waiting till that perfect time when you know you're going to get seven episodes, 10 episodes, you can definitely do it in a row. Uh, you know, you if you wait till that point, you may not get started. Mm. So I hope I hope the takeaway that anyone can do it. Anyone can, can create content. Anyone can learn the tools. Just get started. Do with what you enjoy. And if you, uh, you know, obviously it takes work to get better at it. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> it takes, well, it a, takes lot. a lot of work to do in the first place. It also takes a lot of work to, to improve, to know what your audience is looking for, you know, to find, to find that audience, to hone your craft, you know, to get better at speaking, at covering topics, increase your own knowledge base. I mean, as a streamer or content creator, if you don't have a thing that you want or need to share, your content probably won't be compelling. So, you know, I mean, as co-host or, or color commentary, et cetera, you know, you and I, we can both, we work on, you know, trying to be a little bit amusing. We've got some humor, some wit. I'm known for uh, dad jokes, but very quick-witted dad jokes. So, you know, it happens. Uh, but My dad really, jokes are terrible ones. <laughs> <laughs> Mine oh. have been known to cause groaning, but it's worth it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to use a little bit of scattershot to get right. one direct hit. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but because people remember the direct hit a lot more than they'll remember the misses. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Unless you miss too often. Uh, but beyond that, I've talked about the center of passion. So yeah. having that center of passion and a thing that you're good at, the most important thing is to find that. So, you know, I, I talk about humor and wit, but really, is there at the core something you want to share? And in my case, it tends to be general games knowledge and specifically uh, Bethesda game knowledge and lore. You know, if I wasn't a bit of incredibly nerdy, okay, a bit of incredibly nerdy about Fallout stuff, and about Elder Scrolls stuff and about gaming in general, where I, you know, I've played so many games, I've taken all the content and I generally remember it pretty well. Uh, I don't know that people come back. You know, people trust me as a bit of an authority and they do that because of the knowledge base that's there too. So humor helps, you know, being a really polished presenter or having charisma helps if you can. I don't know that I do, but I try. But 
having a real base to speak from is super important. Or maybe your passion is that you're super skilled at something, you know, whether it's fragging fools or <laughs> making videos. Are you an <laughs> awesome editor with all the best cuts? I mean, that's great. Lean into what you're good at. And in my case, it tends to be actually lore and game knowledge more than anything else. So I, 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 I was about to get to the end of my show, but I was I, I forgot to ask. I wanted to touch on virtual photography. I'm kind yes. of curious as to like, so what is virtual photography? So back in the day, we just called them screenshots. I'm right. taking pictures and screenshots and games. Uh, you know, early in the day, we would do it just because we were taking, you know, photographing our high score on a Nintendo game on the TV to send a Nintendo power. Uh, but no, these days, virtual photography is using either in-game tools or outside tools to capture photography uh, and shots in-game. And then taking them, you know, all essentially all the needs or purpose of regular photography, but done in a virtual world, hence virtual photography. Because okay. yes, the designers are creating everything that you see there, but still the angle of the sun, the framing of the picture, all that is up to you as a photographer. If they're building these worlds for us to exist in, documenting them and making art out of them is actually our purview. You know, so that's what digital photography is. And, you know, a really good machinima creator can do that with their shots and their edits and all that. Virtual photography is obviously just a you know, photograph of a scene. Like but it's come up a bit. There you go. They did great okay. machinima. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, machinima, and that's the first one that popped in my head. So Yeah, it's you know, it's been a thing for a while, and Bethesda games have lent themselves some of the best to it. You know, you get <laughs> you get machinima creators like Manslayer and stuff with uh, his classic uh, gamer poop. I don't know if you ever saw that, but there's some amazing stuff there where essentially you're able to program and control the characters to kind of do what they want, what you want as actors in your show. And Bethesda Game Studios games are some of the most programmable for that or accessible. That's cool. Yeah, no, no it, it's funny you said that because I didn't even think about it. But like, so I'm part of an RP group in, mm -hmm. in Fallout 76. And we went out on a recon mission. And during that recon mission, our our, our paladin, you know, um, I don't know if he wants to say his name, but uh, Anubis. Your BOS <laughs> Anubis, commander. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. He, uh, we're, we're all crouched down. And he's like, hold on, I want to take a picture. And he took a picture of all of us in the mission. And I actually have that as a background on my computer, but I never even thought about it that way. And I'm like, you know what? That's like, I, I get it now. It's like uh, family photos at Christmas, Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I did. They can connect, be mementos, though. and they can be, you know, sometimes there's not say an artistic aspect. It's just, hey, look at us. Hey, Ma, here we are. It's it's beautiful. And other times it can be um very artistic. And obviously, photo editing comes into it too. There are different categories with virtual photography where some people like to take it exactly raw <clears throat> from the game. Uh, others like to edit, and you know that's fine. Now, as far as actually photoshopping, in other words, uh, adding elements, removing elements that weren't there, or you know, removing elements that were there, that uh -huh. is frowned upon more often. But those are edits; those are different. Yeah. But you know, just color balancing, adjusting your contrast and lighting—that's totally fine and normal. And so there are a huge thing that sprung up around it. It's really with the advent of photo mode in games, which has been a thing really for four or five years. Previously, you would on PC use third-party tools or have to unlock the console to be able to move the camera around. Mm -hmm. People have more and more been doing it. There's a huge community for it. Instagram helped. Uh, it's even bigger on Twitter. And then there are a number of organizations, you know, uh, VGP Unite. Uh, we mentioned the Photo Mode magazine. Uh, they're a great group that uh, they've been doing a digital magazine now for two years. I was lucky enough to be featured in it once. And that's the Photo Mode? Yeah, the Photo Mode. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're an uh, e-magazine. 
That's so cool. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even think about it when I when you were I'm like virtual photography. And it's like this picture that I'm talking about actually has meaning to us because our paladin silent actually died. You know, mm -hmm. well, not like literally in the real world. I'm talking about in video game role playing world. His character died because he had, his character was old and it was time to move on. Well, he killed that character off. Well, now we have that moment in time captured in that one picture because he was part of that RP group at the time. And it's it's nice to think of it that way. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's important. It's a moment, you know, and it, and it, I never really thought about it until you started, started talking about um, virtual photography. And it was like, that is so cool. Yeah. You know? And the difference is a lot of game developers have been promoting it and encouraging uh, that virtual photography now because they realize that if there are specific things like moments you're talking about with people, you know, those are moments to speak to that group of people. But the games themselves have so many iconic moments. Meeting Parthenax in Skyrim, you know, let's take that as a big example, or emerging from Vault uh, 101 in Fallout 3, okay, that they're encouraging people to share their uh, virtual photography on social media, to hashtag it, Mothman Monday is a huge thing on Twitter, or was, you know, a couple years ago, mm. as you might remember, people see that, they identify with it, it keys into the game, and it becomes kind of a, it builds community, it's both promotion and community building, and it's a virtual photography, man, it, it's great, it's fun, and uh, it's probably one of the bigger things I'm known for, <laughs> even though, you know, podcasting and stuff like that might be the thing that people think of first. Well, I do because I'm in that world. But if I wasn't in that world, I mean, your photography would probably be the next thing coming if I was to find it because I had no idea. I never really thought about it. I think that's awesome. Anyway, um, folks, I hope you enjoyed the show today, and I hope you enjoyed my guest's content, and I hope you check out all her work, especially her virtual photography. Go look it up. See if you can find it. And uh, keep creating. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye, and thank you so much for having me, Jackson. Appreciate it. Oh, excellent. Thank you. No, I'm glad you came. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Podcasts.